Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer by the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have had to go underground to bring you our candid views on Value Line's weekly stock picks. This week, we review... That means we're in disguise and we've altered our voices so that you... Well, and our bosses will never know. Right. So, uh, Vern and I have sworn each other to secrecy, and so... uh, I promised. There are some uh, interesting tidbits on our website, www.thevalueguys.com, but uh, uh, not everything is there. You'll have to listen for some. Of course not. No, no. Anyway, this week we review the September fifteenth, two 2006 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, and uh, before we get into all that, a couple of uh, disclosures like to present to the listeners. First, we may own these stocks, and as, if you've been listening, you know that I own all of the stocks that I talk about, and that that may not be true And the other as important well. disclosure is that we may have had a refreshment or two before we um, well, that's, that began goes without saying. journey together with our listeners. We also have... the world of the stock market. We may have, we may have lucrative arrangements with the management teams of some of the stocks we talk about. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Bert? Because <laughs> I'm an optimist, <laughs> and apparently so are you. And uh, Also, uh, this is for entertainment purposes only, uh, although we know that, of course, most of the time it's only us but that are But if the right company wanted to give us scads of yeah. money, we'd do our best we to uh, be we, even more serious about do. it. We are trying to pick good stocks. We are. We have some uh, professional... Uh, 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 you yeah. know, credibility at stake, right? right? But, uh, but no one knows true. who we are, so maybe we don't. Uh, but we spend a lot of time talking about sectors of the market where Our moms uh, know we don't who bring we are. a lot more than that to the table, We're honestly. Just, we know a few things about some stocks, and we just... Uh, we, and Value we, Line uh, is a great product, and we rely on them to provide us with all... We go through the, the Value Line. We use uh, Value Line exclusively for this show. Now, I'm going to be on at the toward the back end with a couple of names, Sherwin-Williams, the paint guys... Air gas, the line likes that too. which uh, they do. They just raised their rating. I've been talking okay. about this for a while. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Air gas, which is a distributor of industrial gases, pretty interesting. And then something I never heard of, but just came on and like called Ceridine. Uh, but first, let me introduce my colleague in uh, commentary, Vern Value. Vern, Ceridine is uh, isn't that is that. Armor and uh, composite Well, just listen in toward the end of the show. Fine, fine, fine. I can't say much more. Uh, I'm going to uh, spend, uh, you know, it's a very interesting um, week for Value Line because it's very, very energy-oriented, a lot of natural gas-oriented stocks to potentially look at, and we're just not going to go there. Um, Although we have in the past. There's some archive shows that get into the, the gas guys, for example. Uh, and there are, you know, interesting peculiarities to that market. And uh, uh, but because of issues in gas markets, honestly, in recent years, that has something to do with the improved investment climate in the coal industry in the U.S. And that is what I'm going to talk about this week. Um, Value Line. Uh, of course, has their little industry review of it, and uh, you can see that the the sector, the uh, the group, has been outperforming the market for 
really what, about three to four years until the last year or so. Now, the stocks continued to run. You may re remember this. Early this year, they were running like crazy. I don't remember exactly when they peaked out. It was April or May, I think. I've been uh, playing that with the rails with um, Burlington Northern. Actually. But they've come down hard off of that, uh, primarily because of moderate weather here in the U.S. this summer. And so burn was down at utilities. Inventories built up some. There was less... Uh, contract demand, or it took less coal to satisfy contract demand, and so you ended up with a lot of extra coal on spot market, pushed prices down. Gas prices were falling while every Gas other commodity was rising. as well, that's right. So um, there's been a lot of pressure on the group, and uh, and, and rightfully so. Valuations were, uh, I think, I don't think you can argue with the fact that they were stretched, and I think we talked about that the last time we talked about these. I don't recall if it was the last time through the rotation or not, but... Uh, in any event, um, value line goes through some details of what's happened with uh, what ha what's happened with prices and in the, the risks that are associated with spot prices coming down and those ultimately determining contract prices when current contracts roll off, and that's all very justified. But the the bigger question is whether prices, contract prices, even with some temporary pressure on them, uh, are at levels high enough to justify incremental investment and. Uh, um, and I believe the answer is yes there, and it has a lot to do with the long-term supply-demand balance in U.S. coal. Really, uh, in the last really three or four years, has uh, gotten to a position in terms of stocks and production levels relative to consumption rates at major utilities at at lows that haven't been seen in uh, more than 30 years, and, and way off the the overhang that developed I don't in the know 70s a lot about and 80s. This. So I'm giving you a little bit of history here. But uh, uh, what's happened here recently is that uh, with uh, costs rising rapidly, because the industry's been expanding like mad, or trying to, without actually starting up major new mine complexes, so really just in an existing mine, trying to modernize their equipment, hire more people, get more machines at work, uh, and they've run into a lot of problems with labor in particular. Costs are up dramatically, and a lot of... Uh, a lot of marginal capacity now is proving to have either been played out uh, or is being shut in because of uh, the recent um, decline in spot prices. Uh, and the longer-term picture, which Value Line talks about, is very favorable here because there's a lot of new coal-fired capacity that is under construction even in the U.S. for the first time in a long time. I've got to so, believe there's a cost advantage to coal, and they're figuring out some of the environmental issues. Well, the, part of uh, the, the environmental issue appears to be um, – I mean, to the extent there still is an issue, I think it's um, uh, it's it's a legitimate issue because it is not as clean as natural gas. Question is ultimately whether an all-in uh, cost of coal in terms of its total cost to society isn't perhaps a better deal than gas. Certainly, the uh, power generators are finding that they're more comfortable with predictability of coal supply uh, and ultimately coal pricing, even though pricing is up. Uh, relative to the volatility that they, they see in natural gas and the difficulty in, in increasing available supply. Now, there is some story there, of course, with what's been going on off Florida, but we'll see how long it takes to bring new supply in. So anyway, as we looked at the stocks, um, I think in the past we've talked about when we thought there was some room in the group, we might have talked about a more levered name, a, a Massey or something. But uh, with the stocks down and, and really you know a little difficult to understand what the very short-term outlook might be for these stocks, um, we'd stick right now to uh, the best of the group, Peabody, uh, symbol BTU, and Arch Coal, which is ACI. 
Uh, Peabody, I think almost uh, by acclamation, is considered the best operator in the industry. Uh, it's the largest. We've got a uh, $11 billion market cap here. Um, they are an active acquirer of businesses. They've got a balance sheet, which is only moderately leveraged. Um, and uh, they have a reasonable proportion of their supplies in the Powder River Basin, which is key because that's low cost in, our, in terms of what it takes to dig it out of the ground and um, uh, low sulfur uh, content coal. Um, and we've talked in the past about issue, there are issues there and how fast you can ramp up supply based on the ability to get it transported out on trains. But in any event, um, this stock's down more than 25% off its highs. Um, it, it's still expensive, but as I say in the group, uh, market multiple, uh, strongest of the group. The value line showing a price of 42.60, which works out to about 14 times free cash flow in 07. I think that stock price is lower in the last week. Uh, there's been a lot of incremental sentiment. There's been uh, a couple uh, industry conferences, and so these companies have been talking about the difficulties they've been facing. Short term is has sort of fed the negative sentiment. Uh, but the long-term picture here, as we talked about, very favorable, and uh, you know, really, all we all we really need is a return to normal weather this winter, and uh, the uh, the investments uh, climate, the sentiment for these stocks will improve dramatically. Um, Arch Coal, a little less than half the size, 4.6 billion market cap. Uh, their revenue is 3 billion. Peabody's is six plus, a little more leverage. Um, but as best I can calculate, trying to figure out from what Value Line's saying about uh, where their production comes from, looks like maybe 60% or more of their productions in the Powder River Basin. Uh, so spot prices are down again, as you know, as I've really you know gone on about ad nauseum. Um, but that's a temporary factor. Burlington gets paid per revenue or per ton mile, I should say. Um, nice. Yeah, well, the, the, and uh, one of the reasons that you like that stock, mm -hmm. and I've talked about it in the past. Yeah, uh, the, the more attractive way to play this, honestly, in, in my opinion, is to uh, is to do it with the leading machinery well, supplier. Same idea as Burlington. Um, Joy Global. This is little. Uh, this is what this says five billion market cap, but it says the stock price is forty three. I think the stock's under forty on on price action in the last few days. Um, that would put it well under 14 times free cash flow. This company, uh, I, they don't have a monopoly, but they have a near monopoly in uh, underground coal mining, really on a global basis. And uh, uh, the stock's been under huge pressure. A high earlier this year, 72. As I said, stock under uh, under 40. I think it's been down 50% at some point. Mm. Um, so a major crack up here, if you will. Um, and I think that's part of the opportunity. Um, I, I, I've done some work on this name. I believe less than 15% of their business is um, new machine demand from U.S. coal miners. Uh, the, the fundamentals elsewhere, uh, despite the short-term problem in the U.S. market, uh, remain very strong, especially in China, where Joy Global is emerging as the preferred supplier. They just opened a factory. Um, the industry is dramatically ramping up its uh, investment in Western high-productivity equipment, and uh, um, that's a, a big growth market for these guys in that piece of the business. And they're adding capacity on the, uh, the surface mining equipment side of the business um, where they compete with a name that's not in this issue of value line, Bucyrus International. They must have it in machinery or something like that. But uh, 
And that business gives them exposure to some other good markets. Copper right now, of course, very strong, and uh, uh, they're a major player in the oil sands up in uh, Alberta, which we've talked about in the past. Uh, not mentioned by Value Line in their uh, write-up that's in this week's edition is the announcement earlier this week from Joy Global that they'd uh, increase their share buyback to a billion dollars. A billion dollars at a $40 stock price buys 25 million shares. There's about 120 million outstanding, so we're talking about more than 20% of the outstanding. Um, and this is a company that would appear to be in the early phases of a cycle that rather than looking uh, like um, the relatively short cycles that mining experienced in the 80s and 90s, uh, would look more like earlier cycles. And uh, uh, the company, in, in fact, is talking about the idea of a you know 10 to 15-year long cycle. I don't know if that's right, but... Uh, the market really only turned around about three years ago, and the fundamentals certainly haven't been this good in uh, well over a decade. So um, it's uh, negative sentiment in the coal industry. Timely report from Value Line. Value Line themselves on their investment um, thesis for the group uh, says that because the prices have come down a lot, their system doesn't rate the stocks very well. All the stocks I just talked about are rated three. Uh, but the analyst here points out that some of the stocks under review have wide, his word, capital appreciation potential. I like that. Um, and that's the way we see it, too. This is what, you know, when you're, when you're a value buyer, you have to be willing to step up and stand in front of negative sentiment to get stuff at a discount. And that's what well, I think, I think an here. easy way to understand what a value guy does is you're willing to, <clears throat> you know, pay up to alleviate someone else's fear, and you get rewarded for buying away that fear. And people are willing to sell, you know, too cheap. To alleviate their own fear. It's just a lot of psychology. Some giant orders and some other piece of this company's business will put everybody's concern about this one small segment of their business, um, although it is their largest single market. Uh, but key to understanding the Joy Global business model is they do more than half of their business is parts and services, real high margin business that's really just driven by production levels and doesn't have anything to do with um, well, it's recurring revenue that they don't have to market to, and it just comes in as price insensitive. And three years into a recovery, the uh, the overall size of the watt operating fleet of machines out there has gotten bigger, and that help, helps drive growth in the aftermarket business. So anyway, it's a very, very solid-looking uh, business. Return on capital right now running above 25%, and uh, they're looking at buying half of the – or not half, I'm sorry, 20% of the, uh, the stock back. And they've got some credibility here. I think they spent like $300 million last quarter. Well, that's exciting. No question about it. I'm excited about Joy Global. Anyway, I'm going to turn it over now to... Okay. Uh, well, I'm Joy sorry. Global actually... Bad segue there. Yeah. Joy Global has some of the characteristics of Burlington in that you have this competitive marketplace that's driven by market prices, uh, all of whom have to buy stuff from single suppliers. I mean, Joy Global probably has a huge market share in what they do. Burlington is the only railroad going into the Powder River Basin, so that's an advantage. And, and Joy Global's uh, prices for their equipment don't vary with the spot price. And I doubt they go down ever. So, <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening this far into the show. Of course, we're going to have our traditional beverage uh, break here, which uh, we're uh, – I'm sorry, clink. Ow. Oh, hey. <laughs> who, knew, who knew that could be so dangerous? That can be dangerous. Okay. I've just got a couple this week. This is values. And one of the areas, uh, you know, energy is so uh, commodity price driven that uh, 
I'm not sure I have any edge there. I have talked about gas uh, distributors before. I like getting a toll on growing demand, uh, so that's something of interest. Uh, and uh, But I didn't pick one in that area this week. They had specialty chemicals, and I've looked at a few of these in the past. So uh, interesting, the industry has uh, on uh, page 476, Value Line does a little write-up on the industry, and uh, it's among their better choices. The company or the industry has 17.5% operating margins. Now, I haven't studied all these industry numbers, but that seems pretty high for an industry. Um, return on total capital for the industry, 12%. Uh, return on equity for the industry, 16%. Again, that seems that seems pretty good. I, I have a feeling and uh, experience suggests to me that these types of specialty chemical companies uh, when they're faced with raw material price increases, they kind of go along. You know, they don't have really an opportunity to raise prices, uh, you know, all the time. But once you get along into a cycle to this stage and you have, uh, you know, the Fed chairman and everybody else worrying about inflation, it gives you cover to raise prices in excess of the raw material price hikes that you yourself took in a few years ago. And so there's a common theme among the couple of companies I'm going to talk about, and that is that, uh, I think they're going to get some price increases here uh, as uh, as some of these specialty chemical guys have the cover of inflation fears to raise price and go into that. The first one I want to talk about is uh, Sherwin-Williams, SHW. And we've talked about this before. I'm not always a fan of value line number ones, but they rate this number one. They actually, according to this, they raised it to number one in this issue. So it's a one for the first time. And uh, we've been talking about this, I think, for about a year now. Uh, and it's one we like simply because they have such extensive distribution um, into the home remodel market through their own network of 3,357 company-operated stores, retail paint, wall covering stores, and, and uh, auto coatings outlets. Uh, they sell under the brand Sherwin-Williams, Dutch Boy, Pratt & Lambert. They do Minwax, which you probably heard of, and they have a couple of other things. Um, you know, these guys own their own distribution, which is uh, going to add a couple of points to margin and returns. They also, to the extent that they're at uh, 12 times earnings, uh, don't have a lot of downside in terms of valuation, and yet even Value Line thinks their book value is going to grow at 16%, and their earnings are going to grow at 12%. So I get kind of, uh, even if I stay at this low multiple, I'm going to earn 12% earnings growth. If I get lucky enough to get some multiple expansion, um, I could do better than that. Now, you know, historically, Sherwin Williams does not sell for really much more than it sells at right now, but I might suggest that's the opportunity to get a little bit of a revaluation, and the reason you might is simply that this company has now, if you look at Value Line here, they've got a 10-year record of consistently re improving return on invested capital, and they have uh, so little debt, 13% debt to capital, they're earning you know, mid-20s on equity, and they could ramp that up to 40% if they wanted to with a little application of debt. I don't think this management team is going to do that, but um, the earning power of this company is quite remarkable, and I think that's got to reflect a little bit of uh, Walgreens strategy, which is they have great locations, they have them where the traffic is, they've got good parking, and they capture a growing share of the home remodel market. Well, what about the fear of collapse in new well, I would just point out, Vern, that Sherwin-Williams is not a home builder. 
Okay. So let's say you and your uh, your family want to buy a new house in Florida. Yes. But you notice that prices have been going down, so you're just going to wait it out, wait it out, wait it out till you yep. get your new home. Well, yep. finally, your wife's going to go, uh, honey, uh, you know, why don't we just paint this house? See what I'm getting at? Yeah, Slow down gonna, in the I'm housing. Gonna say we're not doing that. We're getting okay. ready to move. Well, but you're not. We're not moving with prices collapsing. There's a lot of people who can't move because their house is down. I mean, but in other words, the whole, all the volumes of new homes are going down, but the money's not going away. So some of that money is going to find its way into remodeling. And I just point out that if the average home in America costs two hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, that a remodel project is just really a fraction of that, and is probably a lot easier easier just to do as a stopgap in case you have decided to postpone your move for whatever reason. So my point being that these guys will not be uh, harmed by a slowdown. They, in fact, may be uh, aided by that. Um, let's see. It's, uh, it's, a, it's also a play on demographics. As you have people older and richer, they tend to remodel more often. We're becoming a society that uh, likes fashion, so whereas our parents and grandparents might have kept a certain look or feeling or a house forever, uh, you know, our society is more willing to change around. Uh, I'll bet you there's a, you know, multicolor strategy in there somewhere. People are using more colors at the same time, and they end up with more paint left over, um, you know, to cover the same, what, square footage or something like that? Well, that's Call an interesting the theory. creativity growth that driver. Could, that, could, that could be. Uh, but uh, even if that's even if that's uh, not Just happening, my imagination. yeah. Uh, and these guys also have a little bit of a yield, two percent, Sherwin Williams. So uh, I like this one a lot. I'd I'd put it put it away. It's uh, it's a core holding. They're just doing a hell of a job. Uh, okay. Secondly, air gas. A R G ARG is the ticker here. Uh-huh. Now this one is rated two, and again I don't tend to just you know value line whatever, but this one I like. It's a two. Well, they uh, tend to like stocks that have been going up. This one's this one's going down though, and that's the kind of stock we tend to. I tend like to. to step in. Now what do I, what does Air Gas do? Air Gas is the largest independent distributor of industrial, medical, and specialty gases in the United States. So. That's things like oxygen, uh, probably is arg, like for maybe argon, you know, I don't know, helium, uh, but the big uses are... And apparently air. Air? Uh, the where'd the name come from? I mean, well, I think it covers gas. a lot of, lot of things, but uh, they do a lot of different industrial gases. <laughs> I don't know what they all are. I know they do a lot of oxygen, a lot of oxygen. Uh, but then they probably they're also a, do some they're hydrogen. A, they're a big distributor of gases used in for welding. Right. Which uses gases. And, and of course. Typically, air gas and uh, there's a couple more uh, names in this group. I don't remember what they are. Actually have distribution Praxair. points. Praxair. Have distribution right. points, <clears throat> storefronts, where yeah. you can go get some gas. welding equipment and... Weld wire to go with the ga- and the gas all at the same time. 
Huh. Well, they don't, they don't mention so it's that a, here. It's got a construction component. That probably has something to do with why the stock's off. Well, they don't say that here. Well, that's why uh, I'm saying it. Well, I may not be right. That's what I'm just why I'm pointing out. <laughs> that is a the risk company factor. Is also which, involved. which I think we covered in our disclosures right, up front. The company is also involved in the manufacture of carbon products, nitrous oxide and calcium carbide. Distribution makes up 90% of sales. So there's 10% that is something else. And it could be renting welding equipment, or it could be manufacturing. that they have this. Anyway, let me tell the people work. why I like the stock and why I'm focused on the stock here. Uh, first, the theme that they're going to get price increases, I think, is is out there. Uh, but I'm drawn to a couple things. Uh, they've got about four or five years of improving operating margins. They've got two years of uh, improving returns on capital. They're trading at about eight times cash flow. So for me, this is more of a cash flow valuation story, uh, the belief that they're going to continue to improve their returns on capital. Uh, one of the ways they're doing that is that they have a, uh, a strategy of acquiring smaller distributors. And I've followed industries where uh, you know, fragmentation was an advantage to the big players as they you know, went on for years to do accretive acquisitions. And it looks to me like that's at least, you know, a third of the earnings growth here is buying guys at uh, five times cash flow and you sell at nine times cash flow and you continue to create value for your shareholders. It's called a money machine. Yeah, through, you know, th through the basically uh, a buying and selling of your smaller helpless competitors when you threaten to come into their town and b hire all their salesmen or they could sell to you for, you know, five times or four times cash flow. And they tend to sell uh, once they see that you've bought the empty storefront across the street. So uh, I think that's going to be an element here for a long time. And uh, the valuation looks right. Even if you don't get a big improvement in valuation in terms of the multiple, even ValueLine thinks earnings are going to grow here over the next five to six years at 16.5%. So you'll earn the earnings growth. And it looks like uh, the stock's had a little pullback, so you get an opportunity to get in. Uh, not too expensive. That's air gas. Not that we have any idea why the stock's pulled back or anything. I have no idea. No. Uh, although gas in general pulled back, but I don't think it's the same kind of gas. And commodities have pulled in, so there's some element to that. Uh, and then finally, I'm going to talk about something I just want to you know, be upfront. I know nothing about. So that's never stopped me in the past. This is called Ceridine, <coughs> excuse me, ticker CRDN. Value line rates is three. I can't help but notice it's 10 times earnings and a 40% discount to the S&P 500. So already I really don't need to know very much about it. But I know something about it based on what value line's written here. These guys are, a, they develop, manufacture, and market advanced technical ceramic products which I know are some of the hardest uh, substances known to uh, the, the you know, human race here. And they've got some serious defense applications to stop the bad guys from blowing things up. Uh, in fact, the defense is 66% of 05 sales. If you look at the chart here, this is ramped up out of nowhere three years ago uh, simply because of some of the products they've been developing. And it's clear from their operating margin history that somewhere around three or four years ago, as the uh, you know, uh, as the Iraqi war uh, went on, uh, that uh, margins are up here a lot. They continue to rise. I think there will be some sustainability to this simply from the ongoing effort in Homeland Security. 
and uh, in anti-terror efforts around the nation, around the globe, to get harder, you know, vehicles and armor to protect people and vehicles from being blown up by terrorists. And so, you know, I'm making a little bit of a bet here that the the run rate we're at now is a little bit sustainable, although the stock is off of its highs. This thing hits 63. It's pulled back. Value line says here it's 43. Uh, that's as of a few days ago. They have a return on capital that's uh, estimated by value line to be in the mid-20s next year. And uh, return on, well, 06, you're right. Yeah. Next year, 24%. Return on equity in the mid-30s. Now, this all depends on this being sustainable because while cash flow is going to be about 5 bucks a share this year, it was 29 cents in 2002, so be aware of that. It just appears to me by the operating margin. When I see a 27 or 28 percent operating margin, it just suggests to me that they've got something very proprietary. This doesn't look like some kind of cost plus thing where you're competing with eight guys that make tape. You know, it looks like they've got the thing. The government wants it. They're willing to pay up. They're willing to let these guys make high returns. There's got to be patents involved. And I just suspect this can run for a while. Uh, value line is forecasting the next six years of earnings growth at 28% a year. So the stock absolutely has to move, or in five years, the PE will be two. So you can do the math on that. But with a valuation at 10 times earnings, you have very little downside uh, should these earnings come anywhere close to coming out at uh, these estimates. They have a tremendous advantage. They have, they have products they've been able to successfully commercialize because you can see look they had revenue in like the 30 to 50 million dollar range for years and now it's you know 200 300 600 um I, there are other companies and other technologies coming along that i think will ultimately threaten them and i don't think they have a lock on the military's business but for a period of time the military has to buy what's available and there's been as you know huge political pressure on the Pentagon to make absolutely sure that every soldier has either armor on their body or surrounding them, whatever they happen to be in. And those soldiers, I got news for you folks, those soldiers are not coming home in big numbers anytime soon. So um, I think you're, I think you're right. I think you've got a, you know, a good argument for sustainability here. Well, if you don't, the downside seems very limited here. That's on Ceridine C. RDN. And so this is Val Hughes. I'll review. Sherwin-Williams is by far my favorite this week. SHW. And then, uh, on a, you know, on a flyer, I like the Ceridine. 28% earnings growth for five years is very rare. If they can do it, the stock's a home run. And then finally, air gas, ticker ARG. And this has been uh, <laughs> Val Hughes. The pirate stock. <laughs> this is Val Hughes. And uh, uh, that's and, all. I and burn value here with uh, our favorite idea was J O Y G or Joy Global, and uh, that's enough of that. All right, that's enough of that. So we'll uh, we'll see you again next week, folks. Yep. Bye, everyone.